Hey, hey, y'all. It's me, Robin. And just real quick before we get to today's episode, if you are loving listening to the podcast, or maybe you don't know because you've just pressed play for the first time ever, but if you like to listen to things in your earbuds, you are going to be so happy to know that Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors is now released as an audiobook. You can get it in Audible or wherever else you get your audiobooks. And of course, you can still get it in print and ebook. If you go to robingobel.com slash book, it's going to give you all the options, including that you could order a signed copy from my local bookstore. Alrighty, y'all. Here's that podcast episode you're waiting for. Hey there. I'm Robin Goble, and this is the Parenting After Trauma podcast, where I take the science of being relationally, socially, and behaviorally human and translate it all for parents of kids who have experienced trauma. This podcast was created to get free and accessible support to you as fast as possible. So many episodes are the audios of my weekly Facebook lives, but not today. Today, I'm recording an episode just for you without hopping onto Facebook because honestly, it's actually even faster for me to do it like this. We're pushing into the holiday weeks and I've got a million things on my to-do list, just like many of you do, including not getting out of my PJs and eating a whole lot of chocolate fudge, like maybe enough until I literally burst. And yet don't be surprised if you hear cock-a-doodle-doo in the background or even hens clucking. Our roosters and hens meander around quite close to my office and they sound off pretty regularly throughout the day and not just when it's time to rise and shine. This is episode eight, Self-Compassion Keeps You Regulated. I know for so many families out there, the holiday season is particularly chaotic and dysregulating. So heading into this holiday week is exactly why I wanted to record an episode on self-compassion. I have two favorite things about self-compassion. The first is that there is a no way out from self-compassion, none. It's the answer to basically everything. Even the moment when you're convinced you aren't worthy of any self-compassion. I think I actually just really like the tenacity of self-compassion. But the second thing is, is that I love that self-compassion is so grounded in neuroscience, right? So as I've learned more and more about relational neurobiology, polyvagal theory, the concept of integration, which is what leads to what we might call healing, I've realized that self-compassion is completely grounded in the science. And I just totally seriously love that. And if this isn't your first time to connect with me, you know this about me, right? That me and neuroscience are like peas and carrots, right? Like I work so hard to understand the science. I mean, I know that I need the science to tell me it's safe enough to risk things like self-compassion and not just risk it, but to actually trust it, to like lean into it, especially something as vulnerable as self-compassion. What I've learned over 
gosh, at least the last 10 years through my like super intense studies, through my time in the therapy room on both sides of the couch is that compassion is quite literally the neurobiology of change. Remember the last time you did or something that brought your inner critic to the forefront? You know that inner critic voice, the one that shames you or says you're stupid or says things like, gosh, what is wrong with you? Why did you do that? You know better. Or you're a terrible parent or partner or boss or employee or whatever, 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 right? That's the moment to connect with self-compassion. Okay, so self-compassion sounds like, wow, you are being really hard on yourself. You are a perfectly normal, imperfect parent who sometimes messes up. And that's something to say to yourself, right? Like maybe when you heard me use those words, wow, you're being really hard on yourself. You're a perfectly normal, imperfect parent who sometimes messes up. Maybe those words sounded like something you would easily say to a friend. But what I'm talking about is being able to say and mean those words to yourself, So let's talk about regular old compassion first. I'm going to paraphrase Dr. Krista Neff, who's a psychologist at the University of Texas, who has brought the science of self-compassion into the mainstream. So compassion first starts off with noticing suffering in someone else, right? If there was no suffering and we didn't have a moment of noticing it, there'd be no compassion, right? If there was no suffering, there might instead be like a shared enthusiasm or pride or excitement or some other emotional experience. But the feeling compassion first starts with noticing suffering in someone else. Do you have a friend maybe who is also parenting a child with a history of trauma? And if so, like when you think about your friend and you think about the hard journey your friend is facing, finding the right treatment for their child or trying to manage the dysregulation that so often comes with being in relationship with a child with a history of trauma, when you think about that friend, what types of feelings emerge? Usually it's a softness, right? It has a breath to it. There's a sense even of like moving toward to offer comfort. Like I feel this energy in my chest that has this like forward movement to it. Just a a gentle, slow forward movement, but it's definitely a sensation of moving toward. And compassion doesn't have the desire to fix it or take it away. Compassion doesn't have a, let me tell you what to do feeling, right? Like compassion has a, wow, this is really hard. Let's sit together feeling to it. And then maybe after the closeness and connection, compassion might prompt you to ask or say something like, what can I do to help? Could I bring you a meal? Do you want me to watch your kids while you have an hour alone in your house? But 
Compassion is about prompting a genuine desire to share in your friend's pain, not a desire to fix it or stop it or make it go away. And in fact, fix it feelings are usually driven by our own feelings of discomfort. And compassion has a sensation to it, right? It's an it's open, it's soft, there's an ease to it. Even when it's combined with the sensations that go along with the hurt and the pain and the suffering, it's as if both can be there. So compassion starts with noticing someone else's suffering, then a sensation of connection and a desire to be with, to share, and to co-regulate, right? And then compassion may shift into a desire to help ease the pain. Dr. Neff also talks about how compassion connects us to one another, that compassion tells a story that reminds us that suffering is simply a part of being human. Everyone suffers. Our suffering is unique for sure, but the fact that we're suffering is not unique. It connects us to being human and it connects us to each other. It's connecting each and every one of you listening right now. So self-compassion then is simply sending that energy toward ourselves. It sounds like, wow, you feel like a terrible parent for yelling. Yeah, that makes sense. Feeling terrible after hurting someone is a part of what makes you a good person, not a bad person. You must have been so overwhelmed or scared or dysregulated to have gotten to the point that you screamed like that. You're doing the best that you can, and I love you. This sounds like something lovely to say to a friend, right? Can you imagine saying those exact words to yourself? Let me say them again. Wow, you're feeling like a terrible parent for yelling. And yeah, that makes sense. Feeling terrible after hurting someone is a part of what makes you a good person, not a bad person. You must have been so overwhelmed or scared or dysregulated to have gotten to the point that you screamed like that. You are doing the best that you can. And I love you. You can actually literally say those words to yourself, right? And the you is you, right? You're saying these words to yourself. Let's construct that just a little bit. So first there was the noticing. Wow, you feel like a terrible parent for yelling. Then there was some attunement, right? Like, yeah, that makes sense. Feeling terrible after hurting someone is a part of what makes you a good person, not a bad person. Attunement, attunement means we're not trying to like argue or talk something, talk someone out of something. Attunement is we get in there and we say, yeah, we get it. That makes a lot of sense. Then there was connection and understanding, which is not the same as excusing, right? So it sounded like, wow, you must have been so overwhelmed or scared or dysregulated to have gotten to the point that you screamed like that right? That was the connection. That's the understanding. And it's not the same as excusing. And then at the end, there was a gentle kindness, 
right? You're doing the very best that you can. And I love you. So almost always the first objection to self-compassion is something like, but hey, this lets me off the hook or it's an excuse. Or if I don't beat myself up for the things that I want to change, how will I ever change? But here's why I love the science so much, because the science is just so completely clear that we don't change when we feel shamed. We don't change when we're confronted with harshness. And if we do, it's a fear-driven change, not a true change. A fear-driven change has consequences in the long run, consequences of resentment, of anger, of dissociating hurt and pain, as opposed to integrating the hurt and the pain. And it's the integration that allows us to truly change in the future, right? And you know what leads to integration. You know what leads to the ultimate ability to change. Yeah, it's compassion, right? Compassion isn't a letting off the hook, Compassion has boundaries. Compassion says you must have been really hurting when you yelled it like that. It's not good to yell at our kids and scare them. You'll keep working to stay more regulated, but you're human and you're not perfect and your kids don't need perfect. Compassion is literally the neurobiology of change. It's a state in the nervous system that allows for true integration. And integration means moving towards mental health and wellness. Integration means increased regulation, increased connection to self, increased felt safety. And increasing regulation, connection, and felt safety means increasing the ability to tolerate stress and parent the way that you truly want to more often, not all the time. So we can give compassion to others, but we can give compassion to ourselves, right? We can have a part of ourselves that is hurting and a part of ourselves that sends compassion to our hurting parts. Literally, we can actually say the words of compassion toward a part of ourself. Okay, so here's the, my next favorite part of compassion. Remember I told you I had two favorites and one was the science and the second is the tenacity of compassion. I think I like the tenacity of compassion and self-compassion because tenacity is a word that folks would also often use to describe me, uh, especially relationally, that I have a deep-seated relational tenacity towards others towards people in my personal life, you know, towards my clients, towards the kids that I work with, towards myself. Okay. So when the voice emerges, that sounds like I don't deserve compassion. What I did was so bad and so inexcusable, or I'm just a bad human. Compassion isn't reasonable or possible. I just cannot feel compassionate toward that part of me. Well, let me tell you what I know. And I also know this from experience. I know this from that place of being in such a painful place that I'm convinced there's a part of me or even all of me that doesn't deserve compassion. I 
I'm interrupting the show real quick because if you happen to be a new listener, you might find yourself being a little overwhelmed by all this information. That makes total sense. I mean, there's like 150 episodes plus all the free resources that are available over my website. It's just a lot. So many folks have asked me, where do I start? So I created a separate podcast stream called Start here. What I did is I took the 10 episodes that I want you to listen to first, and then I want you to listen to in this specific order, and I put them into a separate podcast stream so that you don't have to search for them. You can just press play and they'll play one after the other after the other. If you go to robingobel.com slash start here, you'll be able to get an invitation to subscribe, and then you'll be able to listen right in the same podcast app you're using right now. RobinGobel.com slash start here. Right. Believing a part of me is so terrible or awful or whatever that that part of me doesn't deserve compassion. Well, here's the thing. That's another moment of suffering. So maybe I can't give compassion to the part of me that did whatever it was that I'm being so hard on myself for, but I can take a step back and then give compassion to the part of me that's hurting so bad. I believe I don't even deserve compassion. And for many people, and for this is true about myself too, this feels like an easier way into self-compassion. It feels less risky. It feels easier to say like, yep, there is definitely suffering in feeling as though I'm a terrible parent or a terrible person. Yeah. And even if you can't feel compassion towards the parts of you that behaved in the ways that are causing you to call yourself terrible, yet, yeah, you might not be able to feel compassion towards those parts of you yet. You can work towards feeling compassion towards a part of you that is now feeling so, 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 so bad. Bad enough that you're deeming yourself unworthy of self-compassion. Right? Or you could at least acknowledge probably that like, yeah, it's a crummy way to feel. That, even that acknowledgement, that feeling this bad is indeed a crummy way to feel, that's a step towards self-compassion. And again, self-compassion and compassion is the neurobiology of change. I really truly believe that compassion towards ourselves and others is actually how we bring about the changes in the brain that we're all hoping for. The changes that would bring about more connection, more regulation, and ultimately behavior change. Compassion is the neurobiology of change. It can feel risky until you understand the science and realize that it's actually really not that risky. It's just science. So self-compassion first notices the pain. A soft sense of moving toward emerges. A feeling that is prompting the desire to connect, to co-regulate, to offer kindness. Self-compassion connects us to every other human on the planet because to be human is to suffer. Compassion, connection, and co-regulation are what I teach parents to do for their kids. But we need parents to do this for themselves too and for each other. Parents need connection and co-regulation too, right? 
you need connection and co-regulation in order to become regulated enough that you could actually implement the parenting tools that you're learning about and trauma-informed, connection-based, brain-based parenting. And that's what I teach you about your kids too, right? That in order for them to make the changes that you're hoping that they make, and usually we're thinking about behavior-based changes because behaviors are what we can see. In order for your kids to actually make those changes, they need connection, they need co-regulation, they need felt safety. So it makes perfect sense that of course, if you are trying to make some changes in how you parent, you need more than just the information. You need more than just the tools and just knowing what to do, right? You also need exactly what your kids need, connection and co-regulation so that you can stay regulated enough, connected enough to your thinking brain that you can make the changes that you're wanting to make. You know, when the pandemic forced us to find ways to be apart, but still together, I saw something pretty amazing emerge. The parents that I'm supporting through emails and through blogging and through social media and now through this podcast, they were writing to me and telling me that they were feeling connected and co-regulated by me. They were using words like, you've become a part of our family, or you're a voice in my head that supports me, right? People I've never met or ever even talked to. And I started to realize like, gosh, you know, maybe I can create a space for this connection and co-regulation to be less like happenstance, less, less accidental, and be more intentional. Like I can bring people together with each other. So they aren't just receiving this connection and co-regulation from me. They're going to start receiving it from each other. Like together, we can start to weave this huge, giant safety net for everyone, for each other, for yourself and for everyone else on this journey of parenting kids who have experienced trauma. So this is, that's like literally exactly what my intention is as I set out to create what I'm calling the club. And when we say this in my family, like when my husband and I are talking about it, we say it with this voice of the club. So here's my hope is that the club is going to be a space for intentional connection and co-regulation for compassion. In the club, you'll continue to learn parenting strategies, but we're going to explore ways to create more regulation in yourself so that you can actually implement the strategies because we know that it's hard to implement the strategies and it's not because you're not a good parent, right? It's hard to implement the strategies because you need more connection and co-regulation just like what your kids need. So inside the club, you're going to give and receive connection and co-regulation to each other and also connection and co-regulation to and from me because I'm going to participate really actively. So I'm going to open registration for the club briefly for about a week and my plan is to open it on December 31st. Again, I'll have a registration open. My, my plan is for about a week. I'm trying to stay a little bit flexible 
because we're just living in a time where flexibility is needed for everything. So then I'm going to probably pause enrollment while all of us founding members work together to create what's going to be the culture of the club, which I'm anticipating is going to be really the most important part is the creation of this culture, the creation of a culture that prioritizes connection and co-regulation, a culture in which everyone involved is deeply committed to the belief that everybody has infinite worth, everybody. Like when I think about the possibilities of being in a community of people where you know every single person in that community believes in infinite worth, which means they must believe that about you. Like when I think about the possibilities of what that could create or bring about, I, I'm truly left speechless. Like there's an awe that comes up for me. And I think if you'd asked me nine months ago, if it was even possible to create something like this in a virtual format where we weren't getting together and being in a room with one another, I would have said, I'm really not sure, but I'm sure, like I'm positive actually that we can create this even virtually, especially virtually, right? So I'd love for you to head over to robingobel.com backslash the club, read about how I'm envisioning that the club is going to unfold. And if this sounds like something you're interested in, I'd love for you to consider joining. My guess is that another club member needs you and you might just need somebody else who's going to be in the club. If you're listening to this episode after January 7, which is when I plan to close registration just for this first go round, just while we take some time to really solidify what it really even means to be in the club. But this club feels like exactly what you're looking for. You can still head over to robingobel.com backslash the club and add yourself to the waiting list. I'll then let you know the moment it reopens for membership, which I anticipate being sometime in the early spring. I know that me and all the other club members can't wait to have you join us and to give to you what we've been giving to each other. Thanks for joining me on this journey into self-compassion. Drop me an email, seriously, drop me an email and tell me how you feel about self-compassion. If you want to read more about self-compassion, you can head over to robingobel.com backslash self-compassion. And if you're looking for more support in understanding connection and brain-based parenting through the lens of regulation, connection, and felt safety, head over to robingobel.com backslash masterclass. Talk to you later. Are you ending this episode with maybe... A big sigh of relief, like, yes, finally, someone gets me and my kids. But also maybe a sense of like, okay, but now what? All right, y'all, I've got lots of possible now what's. If you want to connect with me directly, like pick my brain, have access to me almost every day, not to mention 
hundreds of other parents from around the world who totally get what it's like to be you, then you're going to want to join us in the club. We have monthly live events, including groups for siblings of dysregulated kids, a huge video library with something like 80 or 90 videos, plus transcripts and certificates of completion. Plus, of course, a very active forum that I'm participating in every single day. We open for new members periodically. So go check robingobel.com slash the club. If we aren't open now, you can put yourself on the waiting list and I'll let you know the moment we open for new members. That's robingobel.com slash the club. Now, if you're a professional and you want to strengthen your capacity to work with the families of kids with big baffling behaviors and vulnerable nervous systems, plus use all of my materials, including a 12-module course that follows raising kids with big baffling behaviors, plus be included in an online searchable directory so families all over the world could find you then you're looking for Being With, which is my year-long immersive training program that runs January through December. So you'll want to go to robingobel.com slash being with, read all about it. And if you're interested, put yourself on that waiting list too. Now, if you just maybe need a little extra connection and co-regulation, but don't feel like you need to join the club, then you can just keep listening to my podcast. Or you could go subscribe to my Start Here podcast, and that'll give you 10 episodes in order that will take you through cultivating a great foundation of parenting with regulation, connection, and felt safety. That's at robingobel.com slash start here. You have to go there. You can't just find it in your podcast app. Or you could get yourself a copy of Raising Kids with Big Baffling Behaviors, paper book, audio book, ebook. You can get that anywhere books are sold. Or you could just head to my website download one of my very many free resources. I keep them all really easy to access at robingobel.com slash free resources. Webinars, masterclasses, ebooks, infographics, all sorts of stuff. Go check it out. See what of those things could be supportive of you or maybe to the other adults in your life who are helping support you and your child. There are just so many ways that you and I could be more connected and you can get the amount of co-regulation and support that you need. If it feels like a lot to remember, all you have to do is go to robingobel.com and take your time clicking around, seeing what I got there. I am so, so glad you and I are connected now and I can't wait to be with you again soon in our next episode of The Baffling Behavior Show. Bye-bye, y'all.